I think we're all, I'm sure we all have certain obligations that we are, have to do. We've got to keep our family going. We've got to keep our house going. We've, for those of you that are not retired, you have to keep your jobs going. You have to be doing something. This morning, if you want to turn to Jeremiah chapter 1, I will read you what Jeremiah is told to do. Jeremiah chapter 1, beginning with verse 4. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet of the nations. Ah, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am only a child. But the Lord said to me, do do, do not say, I'm only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you. The Lord goes on and tells Jeremiah what he is supposed to do with the people how he's supposed to lead them back from their sinful ways. So Jeremiah goes out because God called him to be a prophet, someone to deliver the words from God to the people of God. But here's the problem. They were not listening. He was warning people that God would be sending his judgment against them soon. And he urged them to repent before it was too late. One of the problems that we have as people is we've always got time later. Maybe not for the job we're doing, maybe not for planting that wheat or doing that crop planting, but when it comes to God, we can get to God later. We have time. We have just heard that some people did not have time. We don't have time to wait. The people ignored Jeremiah. They mocked him and threatened him. They were scheming against him so they could trick him and get revenge against him. Because Jeremiah had the nerve to tell the people they were wrong. Uh-oh. If I tell somebody that they're wrong, fur flies. In your life, as well as mine, we cannot tell anybody. I don't care how well you know them. Take your wife, for example. You've been with her X number of years. If you tell her she's wrong, you may not get supper. <laughs> this is the same way that Jeremiah, same thing he was running into with these people. 
They did not want to hear they were wrong. They had plenty of time to come to the Lord. They had plenty of time to worship Jesus and throw out their sinful ways. They needed to repent now. No, we'll get it tomorrow. What was the consequences? Jeremiah kept telling them the consequences were really bad. It could be death. But don't bother me now. I'm busy sinning. One of the reasons that these people felt that they didn't have to turn back to God now was that they had been told they were God's chosen people. The Israelites were God's chosen. So he was going to take care of them regardless, right? We'll get it later. Jeremiah just had enough. He was going to quit. He said, this, this is nothing but trouble. I, I'm, I'm worrying myself out. My health is probably going to go next. I just, I don't know if I can do this. He said, they are never going to listen. They're never going to change. He was finally done. No more of this. That's it. I'm going to take care of myself from now on. Not worry about somebody else that doesn't care. But there's a funny thing about it. Going back to what I started to say. God appointed him a prophet. So when he went to God and decided he was going to quit, funny thing, he complained and said, I'm done dealing, and before he got the words hardly out of his mouth, he was back at his job again, trying to convince these people that sin was going to be their undoing. He couldn't quit. Every time he was ready to quit and be quiet about God, I was telling him he just he couldn't do it. There was a fire in his bones urging him to keep going. Keep telling people about the warnings of God and God's promises. But still, once in a while, he'd have to say, God, is it worth it? I don't think it's worth it. But he'd turn around and start all over. Turning to Matthew chapter 10, uh, verses, starting at verse 5. These are the instructions that God gave a group of people, the disciples. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Sumerians. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach the gospel. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. 
Freely you have received, freely you give. And on it goes. Instructions on what to do, as same as Jeremiah. And lo and behold, the results are a lot the same. The people didn't want to listen. They didn't want to hear the name of Jesus. They didn't want to comply. Sin likes to be left alone. When you're sinning, doing something you know is wrong in God's eyes, you do it at night, in the dark, or in your or of your house where there's nobody around. You don't want people to see me sinning. I don't want to have you see me doing something wrong. Sin does not like to be confronted. But it likes to be approved. It doesn't like to be confronted exposed, named, or be told that it's wrong. One thing about it, some of you men, I don't expect the women to have done this, but you found some animal cornered on your farm or on your house, and you've got a long stick and you're poking it. Huh? What's going to happen? He's going to poke back. He's going to bite that stick. He's going to take that away from you. That's sin. Sin doesn't like to be poked at. The consequences will get back at you. You will probably feel the wrath of the sin, even though you're calling it out on somebody else. Jeremiah, one of the things that Jeremiah had been doing, calling was child sacrifice. And these people didn't want to hear that. Another thing was the blending of our God with a not-so-God, somebody who was more towards the sin side of the world, to having two religions and the one I don't classify as a religion, but the one side blending with God. You cannot and you cannot have God and sin together. You're either one or the other. The disciples, when they confronted people, as you remember, the consequences were pretty severe. Just ask Paul. He was beaten up. He was stoned. He was left for dead. He was thrown into prison. But yet, in one side he whispered, I can't take it anymore. I just had enough. But God says, go. And Paul kept going to the end. Jeremiah kept going to the end. The disciples wondered 
Why am I doing this? Why did I leave my business? Why did I leave my family? One of the disciples was asked to come to him and leave his father that had died and not bury him. Was it really worth it? Was it worth being a disciple? Jeremiah asked it over and over again, and every time he asked God that he wanted to quit, something burning in his bones kept him going, and he went back. Same thing with the disciples. Sin has a terrible grip. It doesn't like to be let loose. It does not like to let loose. And here you have the disciples and Jeremiah out there telling you and me to let go. The consequences is bad. His death is a you are apart from God. If you let go, I will reward you with eternal life. And I mentioned that when some people are told that their favorite sin is bad, they get mad. None of us want to hear God's word confronting us. I don't no, I might be wrong, but I don't think that there's a person here that likes to be told what to do. We tolerate it for certain reasons, for our living, for our job. But when it comes to God, we can walk away. We can still go on living. We can still go on working. We can still go on with our family. But the consequences sometime are going, to have, are going to be bad. We're going to have to pay. What are we? We're slaves to sin. And it's pretty tough. It's like being addicted to drugs. Something that I hadn't thought about too much until I was preparing for this this morning was the fact that Jeremiah and the apostles, the disciples, wanted to give up at different times. They wanted to quit. It was too much to handle. But the reverse side of that is God has never given up on us. And you just think about that. As bad as we can be, as rotten as we can be, how we turn our ears off like a light switch when it comes to God's word. And yet, here he is, standing there waiting. He's there every minute. He threw up his arms. 
not in disgust, but to have them nailed to the cross for us. That's how he didn't give up. He had his blood drained from his body so we could be filled with forgiveness. What does the cross mean? It means absolutely true freedom for you and I. Provided we don't turn our back. Not coming up with an excuse to keep on sinning. As we know, and I've mentioned, what does sin get us? The wages of sin is death. We read about that. And God's gift is eternal life. Fight with all your heart and with all your might and ask God for strength in fighting sin. Don't willingly surrender to sin. Repent. Admit to God openly. Pray for his strength during temptation. I'm guilty. When I have something that isn't right, is going wrong, whatever, I get flustered, maybe walk away rather than say, God, please help me. Oh, yeah. One thing, too, is you can't fool God. There's no way. He recognizes true repentance. When you come to him on your knees and pray to God, he knows whether you are sincere or not. You cannot fool him. There's, it just doesn't happen. But we must look to Jesus. He did not quit on us. He used his freedom to free us. An example, he was born just like we were. But with one big difference. He did not inherit the slavery to sin. As I was writing that down, I, I, <laughs> I thought about being born and inheriting uh, my grandson, as you've noticed, is exactly like my son. His ears stick out, his face is that. I mean, you can't help but know that's Monty's son. We think about that kind of inheritance. But the big one that we inherit is sin. Jesus did not inherit the sin. But he puts himself freely there for you. We aren't able to have a perfect life. So he lived the perfect life for us and invited him he invited us to join him in his perfect life 
He doesn't want sin to control us. As you look around and have studied your Bible and look at each other around, and I'm not pointing fingers and saying everybody is bad or anything like that, but God is looking at us and waiting for us to turn our lives around. Repent of our sin. That's what Paul wanted. That's what Jeremiah wanted. That's what they were instructed to do. One thing about it, sin, and I've said this before, sin leads to death. The Savior leads to life. Which one rules you? That's a question you have to answer. Look to Jesus. His yoke is easy, but the yoke of sin is heavy. His burden is light. The burden of sin is heavy. Forgiveness lifts the burden. Jeremiah told the people that he wanted them to be forgiven. He wanted them to come. Paul and the disciples reached out to the people. Nobody listened. God commands us to come to church. Maybe not the word church, but the gathering together. Do not forsake gathering together. Because you help, we help each other. We'll help each other stay away from the sin or come in from the cold. Do not forsake gathering together. So do not you. Jeremiah is given instructions. The disciples are given instructions. They want to quit. Now the other side is don't you and I quit trying to get rid of sin. Listen to the Bible. Listen to the disciples. Listen to Jeremiah. Most of all, listen to God. He's still in the life-changing business. One of the things that we hear that caused Jeremiah some grief was that they couldn't change. They were on a roll. How many times have you felt that way? Boy, when things started rolling bad for me, they just kept going, and it was, felt like there was no end to it. There again, like I said earlier, I should stop and ask God for help.
ask him to be the block that stops that wheel from rolling. Paul's letter to the people was to confront sin. He told them the truth, and the people didn't want to hear it. Sin is destructive and deadly. The freedom has been won by Christ and is for everyone who repents and trusts the free gift is eternal life. It's hard to imagine when you're rolling down the road of life and everything is going great what eternal life means because you're doing fine. But we have to stop and think about eternal life. And remember, God hasn't forgotten you. He won't forget you. He knows every blade of grass. He knows every hair on your head. He knows every sparrow that flies on this earth. So what more important are you than a sparrow? You're God's chosen people. And he's asking you to repent, to come to him and get eternal life because he's free, it's free, and he's handing it out this morning. Thank you, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.